Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. We're talking all things rural Colorado on this episode of the Frontier Freedom Hour. It's one of the issues that I seek to highlight the best I can. I sit on the board of the American Lands Council. We talk a lot about uh, the federal government's mismanagement of land out west, the challenges that that's brought to our communities. You have some areas of the western United States where 98% of the county is owned by the federal government. That means they can't tax, they can't develop, they can't build roads, they can't build schools. Western issues affect the entire United States, and that's why I'm proud to make sure that they have a priority place in our conversation on the Frontier Freedom Hour. We're with Senator Cleve Simpson. He's from Alamosa, representing Senate District 35. He's got a big background in water. He served as a representative on the Rio Grande Basin Roundtable and is uh, a roundtable representative on the statewide Interbasin Compact Committee. He's a fourth-generation San Luis Valley farmer and rancher. Water is a big deal in Colorado. Why is it? Maybe for folks that hear everyone fighting over it, talking about it, why is it a big issue in the state? Well, Jeff, it's a big issue because agriculture is such a big issue here, first and foremost, for me and my you know, my biased perspective about where water goes. But Colorado's a headwaters. It's, uh, you know, supplies waters to multitudes of states and downstream users and uh, different stakeholders and, you know, in, in, from recreational interest, environmental interest, and, and agriculture. It just touches so many lives. It's, uh, and you live in, you know, you live, I actually live in Alamosa, the driest spot in the state, mm. you know, historically and to this date, we still, in the valley floor, we, we only average seven inches of precipitation all year long. And so um, we've built, you know, agriculture has has really was foundational in developing economies and cultures and communities in that, that valley that, you know, we, we just depend on. And we don't have the same supply of water we, we do today as we did back when those communities were organized. So it just touches everybody's lives here. It's It's all... It's full of cliches about water is the lifeblood and, you know, it, it, but it truly is. It's what, what drives our economy. It drives our lives. It's why, why folks are here. I mean, think about it. So I was a river guide all through college, spent five summers in the headwaters of the Arkansas River in Buena Vista, Colorado. And you got a big recreational component to water, right? No, no water, no rafting, no fishing, no floating. None of all that, none of all that fun stuff goes away. But then you have all the ag producers who need access to it, and then people need drinking water as well. I even saw in Colorado that they're now going to allow toilet-to-tap water because we're dealing with such water issues, which means that uh, <laughs> as it flushes out, it's going to go somewhere, and then they can pick it back up. It doesn't go straight back into the tap, of course, no. but it goes somewhere, then they can pick it back up further down the river or something like that, and then put it back into your tap water. These are serious issues that the people of Colorado are facing. Very, very serious. It's, a, it's not the only thing that motivated me to run for office. I, I was only elected in 2020, so I'm a new mm. you know, citizen legislator. This wasn't like my dream and passion to do this. But <laughs> No, you, you would have to be a, a glutton for punishment <laughs> if you really wanted to serve. <laughs> exactly. Be, and because of term limit, because of term limits, the senator that was representing me, Senator Larry Crowder, was was going to have to step down in 2020 and it took me a long time to think through 
you know, did I really want to, you know, step up and, and serve? But water and water's impact in rural Colorado is really what motivated me to go, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm so proud of my rural communities and want to see them thrive and, and kind of be resilient and, and relevant in the conversation. And I, I had an appreciation that the 16 counties that I currently represent in Senate District 35, uh, it was it was demonstrated in the census that I believe 10 of those 16 actually lost population over the last decade and go, if we're not thoughtful and have some strong advocacy advocacy and engagement at the Capitol, you run the risk of just fundamentally changing what rural Colorado looks like. So it was really kind of a motivating factor for me to step up and serve and, and my background in water. And I, you know, I still serve as the general manager of the Rio Grande Water Conservation District. And I, I own an 800 acre irrigated farm and mm. very fortunate. My dad, he'll, he'll be 80. Happy birthday in December, dad. <laughs> he'll be 80 in December, still is very active in his farm, a thousand acres that adjoins r- right next door to mine. And we run a family operation and I, you know, I feel very blessed on a daily basis. Today I'm up here my 31-year-old son is home bailing hay. I hope he should be. <laughs> I know he wake is. Up. <laughs> he's he's a good he's a good young man with with his own family. But I feel really blessed. I get to work with my when I'm not here. I get to work with my dad and my son. And I have a coming to be a two-year-old grandson. You know, on a daily basis, I get to work with them. Not everybody mm. is afforded that that opportunity and that pleasure. So, you know that this is just um, so important mm. to my communities and. We continue to deal with, I'm a firm believer that the climate is changing. You debate till the end of time of why, but there's no doubt it's it's demonstrable that the water supplies I depend on in the Rio Grande River have on, been on a continuous decline since 2002. That's the worst drought in our recorded history. And it just keeps getting worse. And I feel, you know, I'm, I serve in the Senate in in my minority position in a, in a lot of respects. But one of the most minority positions I serve in is I I'm one of the very few out of a hundred that that own a water right. And I can say with some confidence in the Colorado Senate, I'm the only one that owns a water right that uses it for producing food for people. Mm. I think there are two other folks I know that 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 have a water right, but they're not in this ag space. So. It, it just becomes so, you know, so important to have a voice there and try to help my counterparts and my, you know, my colleagues understand. And, and it was actually a wonderful experience, speaking of that, this, this summer and Memorial Day weekend, Senator James Coleman from Denver. Mm-hmm. I invited him and he came down. He brought his wife and his two kids and they stayed at my house on my farm over Memorial Day weekend and we had a blast and I got to show him things and talk about flood irrigation. He had no, you know, no idea, no background of what I was talking about and the manual labor that goes into setting canvas dams in in irrigation ditches and throwing siphon tubes and and irrigating crops. It was a wonderful experience and I hope James, Senator Coleman has a, 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 you know, a great, and I know he does, a greater appreciation of kind of how at least rural Colorado in in my neck of the woods, you know, how how we function, how we survive. So water's going down. The demand it's is still up. there. It's actually going, going up. up. The demand's going up, and you're losing some of it to other states because we have these treaties and these compacts, like primarily around the Colorado River, but that goes out to a whole bunch of different states. There's now a debate or possibly a lawsuit over the Platte uh, with Nebraska. And so other states are relying upon this water, 
and there's legal requirements to make sure that they get certain amounts. Um, and then some of these states aren't even stepping up, like California, for instance. They got a big old ocean just to their left, and they refuse to approve any type of desalinization efforts. They're concerned about the environmental impact. So we'll just continue to demand more water from Colorado, and they're developing, so the need is getting up. We were down at the Hoover Dam with the Western Caucus. These are all representatives and senators from the Western United States. We went down there. Lowest it had ever been yep. was down at Hoover. Almost, they were within 10 feet of the intake valve, which is how they get power to Las Vegas. So let me just help lay it out for people broadly. There's less water, bigger demand, legal requirements that other states get the water, energy that's produced off of this water. It's not there. So, you know, we'll, maybe once we get into the next segment, we can talk more about this, but give us a preview because we just got about two minutes left here. So what do you do? What does the state of Colorado do in this situation? Well, I put a uh, lot of faith in, you know, the structure that, that we've established and um, thinking about the Colorado Water Conservation Board. And you, you referenced I served on the Rio Grande Basin Roundtable. Mm -hmm. And uh, Russ George was really instrumental in, in establishing this kind of framework for having these discussions, the uh, Water for the 21st Century Act. And given us the ability to engage with all the stakeholders, ag, municipal, commercial, recreational, environmental. And, and, and for me in particular, because I'm so active in the Rio Grande Basin, it works really well. We're on a monthly basis. We gather and try to highlight the challenges in front of us, but we also try to craft a, a plan, a, a, a path forward of how, how are we going to deal with dwindling supplies. So that, that mechanism is in place, and I put a ton of emphasis and value in the you know the structure that's there to help us and that interbasin compact committee was another one that i served on that's what really exposed me to the broader picture of the challenges in the state of colorado but to your point i <laughs> thinking about the the issues in the south platte and nebraska claiming through the compact which the compacts were negotiated and signed on to anywhere from 80 to 100 years ago mm -hmm. There's compact on the South Platte. There's a compact on the Republican, one on the Arkansas, one on the Rio Grande and the Colorado, and, and, and I'm sure a handful of, of others. But those are the ones that draw the most attention. And I'd share with you, you know, today there's um, inter legislation introduced at the federal level on the Rio Grande to um, bring together about 14 different federal agencies this is, inter this is legislation introduced by the New Mexico delegation mm. to craft a, a work group dominated by federal agencies to, to, to draft and implement an integrated water resource management plan of the Rio Grande River from the headwaters in Colorado to the terminus in the Gulf of Mexico. That just wow. drives me crazy wow. to go, that, that's just maddening to think we would, you know, we would allow the federal government to to craft an, and implement an integrated water resource management plan. So wow. more after break. We're talking with Senator Cleve Simpson of Alamosa. He's doing a wonderful job representing the rural interests of Colorado. We're talking water. We're talking farming, ranching, all of those issues. We're going to continue this conversation when we get back. You're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. <laughs> 